the number you have reached, 911, has been changed to a non-published number. You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. Welcome to another segment of UCW Radio. This is your host, Lou, a.k.a. Falcon Coparis. And I want to thank all of our listeners, once again, for the continued support by listening to the show. We're increasing our syndication. We're expanding our reach. So that's a good thing for the show and for our listeners. And we're also getting a lot of interesting guests on the show, from actors and models to pro athletes, pro wrestlers, pro MMA guys, mixed martial arts, recording artists, authors, writers, filmmakers, so on and so forth. And we're also opening the door for sponsorship opportunities. So sponsors that are looking to partner up with the UCW radio show, just give us a call at 323-952-4369. Or you can visit our website and find out how to go about it. And you can contact us there as well. And that's ucwmagazine.com. Now, in just a little while, we're going to have a great guest on the show. He was a former powerlifting champion. He won the Mr. Universe bodybuilding crown in 2006. And he was all natural, by the way. He's an accomplished author as well as being a highly sought-after public speaker. All along the way, he is fighting, fighting a battle with a horrible disease, type 1 diabetes. His story is very interesting. You, you want to hear it. Now, before we bring him on the line, I have to uh, let our listeners know something. If you want to call any of our guests... Uh, and you want to pose a question or a comment, what you do, you go to our website, ucwmagazine.com, see who we're going to have on the show in the coming weeks. You can give us a call. You can pose your question to them or, or leave a comment for them. And if it's interesting enough, we'll uh, make it part of the show. Just make sure you leave your name uh, and where you're calling from. Not your number, but where you're calling from, what state, so that our guests can actually um, answer or comment on your comment. The number is 323-952-4369. Also, the, as I said, the UCW radio show uh, opened its doors to sponsorship partnerships. This is new for us. We are actually entertaining several sponsors at the moment, and we're opening the door for more marketers to come forward and partner with the UCW radio show. Again, go to ucwmagazine.com to find out how. If you're on Twitter, you can shoot me out those same questions and comments for our guest. And just send a tweet to me, and again, if it's interesting enough, we'll pose it to our guest. My Twitter name is Luis Velasquez. That's L-O-U-I-S-V-E-L-A-Z-Q-U-E-Z. Follow me and ask away. Now, without further ado... Let's patch in one of the most inspirational journeys that you will hear on the UCW radio show. We have a lot of inspirational journeys. This one is the, is the most recent and the most inspirational journey that you will have on the show. Here is Mr. Universe, Doug Burns. <coughs> Doug, thank you so much for being here today on UC on the UCW radio show. We really do uh, appreciate you being on the line with us today. Well, thank you so much, Lou, for having me as a guest. It's uh, it's much appreciated. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to it. 
Well, that, that's awesome. I think that our listeners are going to appreciate you being here because you have such an amazing story. Uh, it's interesting. It's amazing. Uh, let me just go over it real quick for our listeners. You, know, you are the 2006 Mr. Universe. You were, yes, you were involved in competitive uh, powerlifting at some point in your life. And you actually set some records uh, in drug-free powerlifting competitions. Um, now, that's all well and good. That's great as far as your competitive career. But you, you, you're you a champion bodybuilder, champion powerlifter. That's fantastic. But you were a champion in something else. Okay, that, 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 those uh, accomplishments are not what make your story interesting at all, not to me. What makes it interesting is that you are a type 1 diabetic. And you have been since you were very young. And, yeah, and for most people, that would be a dead end. Uh, and, and, and as far as heavy physical sports, but you made a decision not to let diabetes beat you. So, I mean, I, tell us about your journey. You know, when, when, when you were first diagnosed with, with diabetes, you know, I mean, you were young. Uh, maybe you, you, you can go into that and you can explain to us what type 1 diabetes is. Well, sure, Lou. Well, I, I thank you again for the opportunity, and you're right in the sense that um, with type 1 diabetes, it's, it's a different game. Most commonly, people hear diabetes, and they, they just throw it into a big lump term, but type 1 is an autoimmune disease, and it's, it's classified as a chronic disease in which the, um, the body develops a virus, uh, at least that was the case with me, and it sends an antibody to kill the virus, and for some reason, it mistakenly targets the islet cells and the pancreas, and destroys them so that you can no longer produce insulin. And when you're not having insulin, you come into this hyperglycemic state where your sugars skyrocket. Um, your body begins eating itself away um, due to a condition called ketoacidosis. And, you know, obviously you become very sick. You're brought to the hospital. Without treatment, you, you simply perish. Um, but when I was brought in, it was, you know, it was a long time ago. I was seven years old. And the understanding of the disease was far less, uh, you know, advanced as it, it, is, as it is now. Right. Um, I was misdiagnosed the first time, so they thought that I had the flu. I was sent away, and when I came back in uh, a week and a half later, there was so much sugar in my bloodstream that the ER physician he could smell the sugar emanating from my from my skin. Oh my god! Because, you know, the kids in ketoacidosis, you know, he's got type one diabetes, and so. You know, click, click, they put it together, started me on an insulin regime immediately, and uh, and that's how it began. Um, and, you know, as, as a little kid, it's kind of different because I just assumed, well, you know, you leave the hospital and you leave the shots behind. Mm-hmm. You know, little did I know that it was something you were you know, going to have to carry for the rest of your life. So that's kind of how it started out. But, I mean, you were very lucky because they, mixed, they misdiagnosed you where... If your parents didn't say, hey, you know, what's going on, and bring you back there, you could have actually died. Yes, yes. Wow, that, yeah. that's, that, that's amazing. You know, so you went from there, and then you uh, you, you started, there came a point, and there was a moment, you know, from the age of seven to, uh, I, I, I think, your, your early teen your early teen years, that you... You were trying to. You saw. You saw something in a magazine. You saw something that that inspired you to get involved in um, in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Uh, yes. but t- tell us that story because I, I I think that story is interesting. Well, Lou, um, 
what had happened was, because during back during that time, there wasn't blood sugar meters, so you couldn't check your blood sugar. You did your checking by analysis, where you simply peed into a test tube or peed on a, a strip of tape, and the reading you got could be six hours off the mark, because it's coming from your urine, not from your blood. And your blood, you know, the degree of glucose in your blood is going back and forth on a consistent basis. So my control as a kid was just, it was horrific. I was in and out of the hospital. Uh, blood sugar's too high, blood sugar's too low. I uh, just couldn't get control at all. And as a result, my body began, you know, very much wasting away. Mm-hmm. And talk about ironic, the physicians at the time had wanted to put me on growth hormone because I was so far under the the typical height and weight for uh, for a child of that age. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the parents, my parents at the time had, you know, said no and, you know, it, it was never done. Um, but the control was so, so poor that, you know, I ended up failing the fifth grade, um, ended up, you know, getting picked on on a regular basis, uh, kids at the school, kids in the neighborhood. And, you know, looking back, it was understandable because uh, I was brought into Johns Hopkins at 12 years old at 50, 53 pounds. And so, you know, I was so emaciated. It was, uh, you know, I, I was barely there. Wow. Um, and so about this time, uh, I had begun thumbing through a, a picture Bible. And just by chance, I came across this, this picture of Samson with a lion in a headlock. And it just, it just shell-shocked me. I had never seen, you know, these gigantic delts, these gigantic arms, you know, big calves, big thighs. And to me, it was just like, you know, it was this huge answer with what I had been waiting for. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was a painting. I was trying to figure out, well, is this guy really real? Well, not too, not too long afterwards, I ended up coming across a magazine. And on the cover of it was this lifter, Casey Viator from Louisiana. And Casey was this, you know, enormously powerful guy. And it showed him, you know, doing curls with, you know, 225 or something. And, uh, you know, I said, heck, that's what I've got to do. That's what I've got to do. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, in the backwoods of Mississippi, there wasn't any gyms to go to. So I, I figured out how to construct this little makeshift gym in the woods behind, behind the house. And, um, you know, I borrowed construction materials, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from construction sites at nighttime, uh, scaled a crane to, you know, to pull out the, uh, the pulleys on this abandoned old, uh, warehouse crane and okay. you know took all this stuff and brought it back and tried to you know replicate the exercises I saw in the magazine it was you know it was the only thing I, I figured would work right. and uh, you know during this time the physicians had said you know was brought in and evaluated and they said you know what is it that you're trying to do I said well I, I want to be a, a power lifter weight lifter and at the time they were you know very very much against it they said mm-hmm. you know you've got a an extreme metabolic disease here. Um, you're very brittle. Uh, you're, you know, it's not advisable. But the physician, Dr. Shapiro, he didn't shut me down. He said, um, he said, he knew how much I was struggling as a kid. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, so I'm not telling you you can't. He said, but I'm not endorsing it either. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was just a green flag. Go for it. So, so it's like he said that to you with a wink. And uh, there you go. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Exactly, and I, you know, I can never thank him enough. And him and another physician, when I was young, there was a Dr. Hung in D.C. when I was uh, probably eight or nine years old, 
And when my sugars were so out of control, he had brought me to an end-stage uh, renal failure where people with uh, kidney failure go. Mm-hmm. And they're hooked up to a hemodialysis machine. And, you know, he knew that my, you know, that my life was just, it, it wasn't consistent. Um, but I wasn't properly addressing the disease. And he had brought me in there, introduced me to this man who looked like, you know, life had already left him. And he leaned over, you know, uh, we're going down this long hallway. It's a long walk to get there. I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. He introduces me to the guy. We chat. And uh, as we leave, come outside and look in. And he just goes, uh, he points over to him and he said, Doug, do you see that man? I said, yes. He goes, if you don't take control of yourself, he says, that's going to be you. And, you know, I'm a cocky little kid and I'm going, yeah, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And he goes, suit yourself. And he turned around and walked away. And it was such, I, I stood there and I started crying. I, you know, I mm-hmm. didn't, I was in a hospital ward, didn't, there was nobody else around. I'm a young kid. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most valuable lessons I've ever been given because he taught me, you better respect this because mm-hmm. it'll do you in if you don't. You know, it's called the silent killer for a, for a good reason. Yeah. I mean, and you had that, you had that moment of, of, I guess, clarity in your life, you know, yes. that you had to take control of your life and not let the disease control your life. Yes, indeed. And then, then you, you were, you were involved in powerlifting, and I mean, you, so far, what you said to me, I'm kind of floored, so I apologize for being, you know, slow to the, uh, to the questions. I'm just absorbing everything you're saying because I think it's an amazing story. Um, you know, you, you, but you went into powerlifting. Uh, you were welcome. You, know, yeah. you went, you went, you went into powerlifting. How did, how did, I mean, I know you were working out, but what made you decide to start competing in powerlifting? That, that's interesting because if your body was, I mean, the doc said you're so brittle, this and that, and you made that decision to do that. That's correct. That's yeah. correct, Lou. And, and so when he had given me this, you know, this kind of unmerited go ahead, I took it and I just ran with it and I began training every day I could and, you know, hunted for these magazines, um, you know, with the Arnold's, the Franco's, the, you know, the Dennis Tenorino's, all these different guys in there, um, you know, Ferrigno and again, uh, Casey Viator and, you know, it would hang these pictures up of the exercises they were doing. I couldn't, you know, I mean, I could kind of piece it together what was happening. So I just kept training, kept training and physically nothing really changed six, seven months, nothing really changed, but my strength began to come up. And that was all the incentive I really needed. Mm-hmm. So I just began pushing it as hard and as fast and as, as you know, mightily as I could. And within a year or two, you know, the blood meters had come out on the market. I was now able to test on a consistent basis. Okay. The medications had improved. They had brought out a DNA recombinant insulin, which for me worked so much easier. Um, they brought out a, a very rapid-acting insulin. All these things were just, it was like, you, you know, it was, to me it was a streamlined forward. Right. And I found this gym off in Gulfport, Mississippi, called Rhodes Fitness Center. And it was, you know, it was the first gym I had ever been to. So, Doug, I Doug, been. Doug, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. So, before that, you were, you were still working out in the woods? Yes. Okay, yes. all right. That, for the I mean, whole that, time. That, that's, uh, the whole that, that's, the defi- that's a definite want of, of something. And I think that's fantastic. But go ahead. Oh, sure. Um, so it was great, Lou, because, it, you know, in the woods, you know, I got to have this, this, you know, you got to test your limits in a, you know, there wasn't any distraction. There was no, you know, iPod. There was no music. There mm-hmm. was no nothing. It was, it was simply in the woods. I would go off to the Wolf River and swim.
to do all this this outdoor activity. And it was just, it was very pure, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so bouncing forward, you know, I begin meeting, you know, these various lifters, Doc Rhodes, and one in particular, Vincent Cahey. And Vincent had uh, begun setting records all over the place in, uh, in powerlifting. And, you know, these were, you know, my new, and I was, I was dumbfounded, Lou. I came, I come into this place and I'm thinking they're going to, you know, treat me as I've been treated before, you know, make fun of me, mock me. Mm-hmm. But these guys are very kind, you know, very considerate. They're helping me out. I'm not knowing what I'm doing. I'm just trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And they're seeing, you know, that, hey, this kid wants to, you know, he wants to train. Mm-hmm. And so they're teaching me what they know and they're encouraging me and they encourage me, you know, why don't you try this powerlifting show? And of course, you know, Lou, <laughs> I step into the show and, you know, complete novice and I place dead last out of the whole thing, you know, don't even, don't even place. Right. But, but it occurred to me, you know, I said to myself, well, before you couldn't even, you know, you could barely stand up straight and now you're competing in a strict show. And it was at, you know, that understanding that, well, you know, this is a huge improvement and, you know, it's called naivety, but it, it just, it caused me to flourish. And so I went back to the drawing board, kept pushing, kept pushing, and pretty soon, you know, won a, a novice division, and a junior division, and then an open division. And then, you know, before I left high school, I had, ended up setting state, regional, and American records um, against adults. Wow. Competed, you know, up to the 198s, uh, the 220s. And, <laughs> you know, talk about irony. I, I'm in this, this, um, this uh, grocery store, a national, or Piggly Wiggly, one of these southern, you know, grocery stores. Mm-hmm. And this gentleman passes by, and he goes, uh, he goes, Doug Burns? And I said, uh, yes, sir, yes, sir. He goes, um, and he, he looks at me, and he's got tears in his eyes. And I go, you know, what's the deal? What's the connection here? And he goes, mm-hmm. uh, he goes, I see you didn't take my advice. And I said, excuse me? And then it clicked. It was Dr. Shapiro, oh, who wow. I had, uh, who had advised me, you know, had given me the wink to go ahead. Right. And, you know, he said, I am so, so sorry for telling you you shouldn't. He said, it, at the time, it was the medical advice we were given. He said, you were so, you know, out of control as a kid. He said, I didn't know what to do. He said, I knew you were, I said, you know, hey, thank you so much. You know, you gave me, you gave me the go ahead. I took it and I ran with it. And, uh, he, you know, it, it, and I, I'll never forget the picture because, you know, he told me with tears in his eyes, I tell my young kids now, you know, that they can't give up. You know, and, mm-hmm. I, and oftentimes I'll use you as an analogy. And, uh, you know, it meant the world to me. Yeah, really he, did. he didn't even realize it. No, no. That, and, of course, makes... I didn't have any grudge against him, but right. he thought that I, you know, that I had said, you know, the hell with you. I'm going to do it anyway, which on one hand I did, but I was saying that more against the circumstances, not against the, not against the doctor. Right. Well, that, that's, that's amazing, but it just shows how in life, you know, you may do something not knowing what the end, you know, what reaction or what's going to happen, and you can inspire someone to do something great, like, and he didn't even know he did that, but he did give you the opening to go, all you needed was that opening, that reason, and he gave it to yeah, you. That's exactly right. And, and he gave you, I mean, that, that's amazing. Now, from, from there, you progressed into bodybuilding. Uh, how did that come about? Well, that was, you know, it was, well, I, I, you know, Arnold had been the, you know, the icon for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I knew because I had read the, uh, this book, The Education of a Bodybuilder. So, that big you know, book, I, I know, th- I know that big book. <laughs> yes. That thing is huge. Oh, yeah, the other with the encyclopedia. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> you, you got to set aside weeks to, to get through it. Yeah. But, 
remember all the pictures in it, Lou? You had um, yeah. Well, you had Ferrigno, Platts, uh, Lance Dreyer, mm-hmm. um, Serge Nubray, everybody. Yeah, Samir, Samir Benoud. Yeah, Samir Benoud. Um, Actually, I was speaking yeah. to him earlier. Uh, had him on there. Uh, who else? I think you had um, Larry Scott was in there. Oh, you're right. You're right. Larry Scott. No. The preacher boy. Yeah. Preacher girl. Huh. All the icons. Yeah, all the icons. Oh. It, was, it was interesting. But uh, so you were you were reading through that and got. Well, and you know, I had said, well, Conan the Barbarian had just come out. I said, dang, look at this guy's physique. <laughs> you know, at the time I was now strong. Right. But. You know, you had that, uh, that chunky country boy look. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I said, well, I've got no, no six pack, no, no semblance of abs. You know, let me give this a go. And so just, you know, I, I dug in as deep as I could, found out everything I could about the training, about the, you know, the, uh, you know, the nutrition, the, yeah. uh, all, all the different areas, um, the way their eating was. And it was, you know, it was kind of difficult because I'm having to moderate all these injections of insulin that I'm taking, you know, and, and it's, it, you know, it's hard for the training, but let alone for the body fat percentage. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later, until I won the, um, the Southern uh, or the USA, natural USA championship that we had done this study. Mm-hmm. And it showed that my insulin requirements had dropped 89% when my body fat was so low. Really? Because at the time it wasn't known, but there's two pathways into the cell. One is by insulin, the transport system, but the other is by anaerobic activity. When the cell opens up and it's being forced to request glucose, mm-hmm. the glucose will come in in a, in a different uh, pathway. And it was just, and I knew it from experience, mm-hmm. but at the time it wasn't on the books. But, but for, so people, our listeners can, can understand, and maybe you can give clarity on this, so they understand when you're dieting and bodybuilding and you're taking all the water out of your system, the glycogen actually builds up in your muscles, the water comes out. Okay. Yes, and you know, and the trick is, is that you know, for me, I could be big, but I I can't get lean. You know, if I'm big, the only way for me to to effectively drop the body fat is by you know engaging in cardio work and engaging in you know in caloric restriction, you know, primarily with the carbs. But you remember, this is a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week balance that I've got to do with the amount of insulin I'm taking, the amount of glucose that's coming in. You've got to couple it with uh, anaerobic training, with the aerobic training. And so it, it creates this spectrum sheet that's just, um, you know, it, on one hand, it's beautiful because it's the blueprint of the body. Mm-hmm. It's just that you're being forced to, you know, to consider factors that the normal person doesn't have to, doesn't have to work with. Right. Well, it's, but, like, it's like being but, a scientist <laughs> in, in ways. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. But, I mean, but you know, it, it's it's like any other struggle. I mean, you know, type one diabetes or you know MS or epilepsy or you know financial woes or emotional burdens. You know, to me, they they kind of fall under the same heading. It's a burden. It's an obstacle that's placed on somebody, and they've got to deal with it. You know, and they've you know, and we all have choices. You know, that we can take our best shot at it. Or we can simply give up. Right. And you know, Lou, I mean, you, you make the best you can, and do you fall down? Shoot, yeah. You fall down on a hunt. Yeah. But you got to get back up. Oh, without a doubt. But that, that's that's what defines someone. You know, and, and I always make reference, and it's funny, that uh, if you look at uh, someone, um, I don't know, like, like Sylvester Stallone, okay? Yeah. Uh, it, 
words that he said in his last Rocky movie, uh, it's, it's funny, the movie wasn't that good, but just what he said to his son was, to me, like, wow, it made a lot of sense, where life will continue to knock you down, it's up to you, to you for you to get back up, you know, life's not going to stop, you'll, you'll always have something pounding on you, but what, I guess what defines you is how you, how, how much you can take and keep moving forward. It's so true, Lou. You're so right. Yeah. Because you know, it's almost like fear is the is the uh, the burden that you know. It, it's not so much the type one or the financial burden. It's mm-hmm. the fear that I'm you know not being accepted or I'm not meeting up or I'm not somehow performing properly. That that really is the crusher. Mm-hmm. Because people want to be accepted. They want to be you know included. They want to they want to win in their own defined terms. And you're right. Mm-hmm. If you know the knocks come and they keep coming sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you, you feel like you've got a target, you know, on your back or on your head. Yeah, and, you know? a, and a lot of people don't understand uh, diabetes and what, what it does to you. You, you had a, a situation. You were in a movie theater and you were having, um, I, I guess you were, you were having uh, an incident yeah, uh, right. with, you know, with, within yourself with the diabetes and you just needed some sugar or something or you needed you need to, to, to take a shot. Uh, do you want to talk about that story? Because I think people, sure, Lou, yeah, people may find it interesting how uh, even you know the authorities they aren't schooled in in something like diabetes, which actually they should be. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's un- it's you know guilty until proven innocent was mm-hmm. the you know was a turnout for this particular incident. Um, you know, I had been at a, a theater, and again, oddly enough, I was going to see the film Three Hundred, um, which I thought was a, you know great film, but as I'm standing in line, my sugar had begun to, uh, to drop, and I had met a couple of kids, and uh, as I was coming up the staircase, and, you know, said, man, what do you do, you know, how do you get in shape, and we're chatting and everything, and I had come up top, um, passed by a couple of uh, officers who, you know, had the sunglasses on and the cool look, and it just, I just wondered, because these kids I had spoken to were, uh, you know, they weren't, uh, you know, they were maybe, you know, they, they looked to be, uh, you know, something they weren't. After chatting with them, you know, you realize they're, they're just kids. Mm-hmm. And I had wondered if there was any interaction. And that beside the point, I had come on inside, um, had adjusted for a meal. The meal got delayed, and I had begun to slip into insulin shock. Mm-hmm. And as I went in, I got the tickets, um, but my vision began to drop, so I could no longer see clearly. Got up to the top of the escalator and had come to the counter and had asked uh, the girl behind the counter. I said, "You know, just need some sugar." And you know, my voice had begun to shake, and and you know, she didn't understand. And I'm putting my wallet out, and I'm just trying to say, "You, you just give me anything." And it, it's not, you know, because what happens when your glucose begins to drop like that, and you go into hypoglycemia, which means your, you know, blood sugar is dropping excessively low. Your your brain and your central nervous system just run on glucose and oxygen. You know, you shut off the oxygen, you're dead. Right. Well, the glucose, the deprivation is gradual, and so the, the signals become, you know, twisted. And, you know, you begin to misfire, and the body, you know, look for any way to get it sorted out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can appear to be, you know, um, sweating profusely. Um, you might be, you know, shaking uncontrollably. And what happens is, is end stage, when you begin to have convulsions, the body is trying to fire off glucose, getting adrenaline, the adrenal cortex, to get any type of, of energy into 
cut edition. And the, the DA from, uh, from Washington, D.C. said, you know, had you had anything to drink? Said, you know, yes, ma'am. She said, ah, you had. I said, yes, about three months prior. And, you know, she started laughing. She goes, I can't believe this. So what happened was they assumed I was drunk. They asked me to, you know, if I would come downstairs. So I walked downstairs, mm-hmm. walked outside into uh, the lobby, and the, the security guard, you know, escorted me out. And I got outside, the cold air hit me, and I realized, you got to get sugar, you got to get sugar. So I turned around to come back inside, where well, the security guard had gone off and gotten uh, the two police officers. And they came up uh, from behind, I didn't know who it was, grabbed me by the shoulder, and I simply brushed the, the hand off my shoulder. It was a firm grip. I didn't know you know, who it was or what it was. Popped mm-hmm. it off, and out came the mace, and uh, or the pepper spray, and you know, coated me once, and then... Uh, coded me twice, and this big brawl ensued, and it turned out to be, you know, five officers, and uh, and the unfortunate result was, you know, they had jimmied my arm up uh, behind my back and tore my brachial plexus uh, on my right side, so that my right hand, uh, you know, it still doesn't function properly. Um, oh, nice. But, yeah, and it was, you know, they were under the assumption that I was drunk, but you think that the right thing would have been that well, it doesn't smell like alcohol, you know, let's just step back, you know, do you need help, you know, what's going on? And they would have seen that, you know, my motor function was completely gone. I could barely stand. Um, and long story short, it, uh, it, it just became a, you know, a, a huge nightmare. It crushed the business I had, uh, um, crushed the book that was coming out the, <laughs> the next week. Um, so the timing couldn't have been worse. Um, and, you know, if, if I can say, Lou, that it was interesting because there were kids from throughout the world who ended up getting hold of me, mm-hmm. uh, sending me emails. Uh, one kid in particular said, you know, you know, Doug, I'm so sorry, you know, you had to go through what you did, but something similar happened to me at school, and all my friends, friends thought that I was drunk, or thought that I was on drugs. Mm-hmm. He said, and I took them, I took my friends, uh, your story, and he goes, now they believe me. And he goes, you know, if it means anything, it, it it means the world to me. And that was one. And then, you know, others began coming in Germany, Brazil, in the U.S. And the people in the community um, ended up, you know, standing up, you know, for me so strongly because I was facing criminal charges. Um, you know, I was brought to trial uh, for, uh, you know, for the whole thing. And, it, um, you know, I had a great attorney, Micah Jacobs, and um, and, you know, the mayor at the time of the city was very much inclined to just simply that we both just simply fix the situation and she ended up stepping out of office and I don't know if it was in part due to the way things unraveled but uh, they unraveled in a, in a very uh, very bad fashion mm-hmm. so but again you know it's one of those things so okay so all right then what are you gonna do you know bemoan it or you're gonna try to make things work out so, you know the deal, Lou. Yeah. Try to make things work out. Of course, of course you do. But you know, God works in mysterious ways, and maybe yeah, that that incident, that incident that happened to you, as you said, touched a lot of people. So maybe you know you were the the sacrificial lamb, so to speak, in order for you know people from around the world to say, hey, you know what, this happened to me, and look at this. You know, sometimes you have to go through that yourself. To maybe connect, I, I just find it uh, interesting how it developed. But look at what happened. 
that you know you t you touched a lot of people, and I think that's amazing. Uh, it's a horrible situation that happened, no doubt. I think that the police officers should be, and a lot of police officers, you know, they are well trained, but they should be aware or be taught uh, of certain situations that are common, you know, like diabetes and, and things of that nature. Uh, they should be aware of that, and they're because uh, they deal with people all day. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, this situation was just as as off the cuff as could be. I mean, it, it was so polar than normal. I, I'd assume, um, you know, the you know the paramedics coming up and saying, "Hey, uncuff the guy. You're going to prevent the respiratory failure." No, you deal with him as he is. You know, and I'm giving glucose. With, you know, they're pouring, trying to pour glucose into my mouth. I'm trying to get it in my eyes because they're on fire from uh, the pepper spray. Mm -hmm. And of course, I got you know my nose jacked up all over my head and there's blood you know dripping everywhere and you know on, on the cynical side of it it's very interesting because again this attorney Micah Jacobs had made repeated requests for the photos from the incident mm -hmm. and the district attorney withheld them so that the photos that went out on the Associated Press were of me smiling and at kids groups but the actual pictures from the event you know showed me cuffed and my face you know dripping with blood my pants covered with blood you know the, the whole nine yards those are what went out into the public. Hmm. And so it was almost like, well, you know, what's he, what's he moaning about? Nothing really happened. You know, he's smiling, holding the kid's hand. It was, you know, one of those things that, uh, that just, you know, everything that could go wrong was it did. Right. But again, you know, my hat's off to Micah Jacobs. Um, to the, I mean, police officers came up, you know, and said, dude, you know, you got handed a raw deal. That's so, you know, that's so wrong. I've dealt with this, you know, before. And, Hell, nothing like that would ever happen. And so I have to be very careful because, you know, so many of uh, the officers I've met and, you know, have befriended. It, it's not in their character at all. Yeah. It was this particular group, this particular incident. And that's sad. And that's sad because, yeah, you, you, do, you do have you know, police officers from coast to coast that do, um, they do understand and they do their yes. job in the greatest fashion possible. But sometimes something happens and maybe it's supposed to happen because, as I said, you know, you touch a lot of people's lives. You maybe invoke change not only where the incident happened, but maybe in other counties and other, in other states. You know, because your story went national, or actually international, so it wasn't, uh, it's just interesting. Now, Doug, um, I'm just still um, thrown back from everything that you've, uh, all the hurdles, all the obstacles, all, everything that, that, all diverse, everything that came in your way, and you just keep pushing forward, and you have people today that, that they give up at the, the slightest Thing that goes wrong, they give up. You keep pushing forward, and that, that's a great message. Um, you, uh, there may be people listening to the show that either have diabetes or maybe they know of someone that has diabetes. You know, for the benefit of them, um, can, can you, that they, they want to start training, can you give them some advice? What would you tell them if they wanted to get into weightlifting and powerlifting and bodybuilding and they wanted to do that? What advice would you give someone that had uh, either type 1 diabetes or diabetes in general? Yeah, well, you know, Lou, you, you've got a great point because there, there's a vast, you know, there's a pandemic in the U.S. internationally with type 2, you know, where there's, you know, the poor eating habits, the lack of activity, uh, granted a genetic predisposition, but, you know, has created this, this 
many of these conferences I've spoken for, um, people will say, well, I, I can't lose weight, you know, because I have diabetes. And with the type 2 community, it's a switch. And you got to say, no, you actually, you have type 2 because you haven't lost weight. And when they understand, you know, that, oh, well, here's how I shifted. But I, I think the most important factor in it all is the decision, the goal up front. Because people who jump into a, an exercise routine or jump into a weight loss program without a clear-cut vision as to why they're doing it, the work is fun. It's encouraging. It's invigorating, but it doesn't last very long mm -hmm. because without that goal, without that that commitment, then when the like you're saying, when the obstacles come up, Lou, it's it's the highlighting. You know, yeah. well, I tried. You know, and and that's I think that you know that kind of encompasses it. You mm -hmm. know, I'm trying to lose weight is a 100% guarantee that you'll fail. When you step out and you say, you know, I'm going to lose. 20 pounds, I'm going to do it in three months, and you broadcast it nationally, then, whoa, wait a minute. Now, suddenly, you've put yourself out on the pedestal. Mm -hmm. You become accountable, you know, your friends or to whoever, and it's concrete. There's a date that's coming. It's almost an impending doom, mm -hmm. and chances are you will get to that goal because you've, you've taken, you stepped out in faith and said, you know what? I believe I can do it. I'm going mm -hmm. to do it. And the alternative is, is everybody saying you couldn't do it. And, exactly. you know, like to someone like yourself or me or some of the other uh, guests that we have on the show, you know, that's not even an option. If When you go and you put yourself out there like that, yeah, it's time to uh, put up or shut up. And it's better to put up than shut up. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that, that, now, that, Lou, let me ask you, because sure. do you, do you sometimes find it easier to overcome an obstacle when people tell you you can't because it, it drives that resolve in you. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Tell me again. Tell me again. Yeah. That 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 is that is a, a true statement because when someone tells you you can't do something, um, for for me it's like really I can't. Hmm. Let me see. Uh, yeah, I can, and I think I'm going to. And uh, you know, let me know what you think when I'm done. That that that's my attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. that's exactly right. Yeah, but you have to have that attitude. You have to have that that uh, that that way about you and your, that your that thought process. Because if you don't, again, the alternative is you looking in the mirror. You're 50, 60 years old. Looking in the mirror, the elastics off in your underwear, and you, you have you're, you're not shaving, and your hair's a mess, and you you have a big gut, and and then what? You look through, and you see the reflection. You see some kid. 20 year old kid running away with you a dream yeah and that happens all the time it does yeah you know and, that and you know, oh you're right Lou I mean you're right and, and that you know that at that 60 year old that 50 that 40 that 20 mm -hmm. you know I mean if if we could go back how different things would be but yeah. at that point where they are you know being willing to say well you know what I mean, death is going to grab us all. The death rate is 100%. Sure, Everybody, no, no, no doubt. Everybody's dead. <laughs> right, so I've got another 20, I've got another 30, another you know, 10, maybe only another five years. Now, at death's door, wouldn't I look back and say that, you know what, I should have done X, Y, and Z. And yeah. so, you're right. That, that's the most horrible thing. That's the most horrible thing to say, I should have. Yes. I'd rather say I did or I tried. And, and with that, with that statement, you know, you, so oftentimes people are afraid of failing. Mm -hmm. And failure—I mean, you know—I think Arnold, Samir, you know, Platt, everybody has proven. 
I mean, bodybuilding is in a, I don't know, in at its essence is almost an, an issue of failure. Mm-hmm. You push yourself until your body says, I can't. Mm-hmm. And you keep pushing the level up and up and up and up. Yeah. And I think when people in the outside begin to realize that, you know what, failure is part of success. It has to happen it, because if it doesn't happen, the goal isn't high enough. That you, you just nailed it on the head. And, and I'll even go a little a step further. And I'm going to quote Bruce Lee as far as martial arts, something that he said, and he he preached this, and it is so true. He said, in order to be a great fighter, you have to accept the fact that you can die. You accept that fact, then you will be greater than you were. With with bodybuilding, yeah, you go to failure. In, In business, if you accept the fact that, you know what, you can't fail. Okay, we got that out of the way. Now let's make it happen. And that's what it comes down to, and that's what you did, and I and I commend you for that because that your story today is is basically sending a message. As when we had you know David Lyons on a sim- similar type of situation, uh, you 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 fought to get to where you are. Okay, yeah. d- d- despite all the adversity, despite all the obstacles, everything in in your way, you hopped over and you just kept going and you didn't let something hold you down. You know, you, you, you were basically the Adonis with the Achilles tendon. The Achilles heel, sorry, the Achilles heel attached to it and that was it and that was your diabetes and that was the obstacle in front of you or actually the, the weight that was on your shoulders. You know, but, but you got through it. But now, you, you, you see, you have such a story that you even put this in books. Thank you. Okay, I mean, you, you you wrote a couple of books, didn't you? Yeah, yeah I wrote the uh, the diabetes antidote. Yeah, um, which is, you know, you know, it, it, it was a book that uh, that the the intent is still it's still delivered in in the book. It was just a little unfortunate in that it was going to press right as the whole incident with the police happened, and it was just uh, it was unfortunate. But again, what do you do? Do you throw it away? No, you put it out there. And you yeah. say, you know, it will help someone. Mm-hmm. It will help some, and it it certainly has. It's uh, it's done well in its own right. Um, many have you know have written me about it, and it's to me, it's you know, it's that vehicle. Um, you know, if, if life were perfect, it'd be best to to give it all out for free. Right. You know, to simply say, and, and you know, and you find those people who were you know they're not able to you know to purchase something and. To me, that's the drive. You know, those are the people that need it the most because mm-hmm. they value it the most. And when you give it to them, I mean, um, I don't. I think you and I had talked, Lou, that I was recently in South Africa in uh, um, a downtrodden area of, uh, on the outskirts of Port Elizabeth, and there was these, you know, kids out there with no shoes, mm-hmm. um, in the rain, soaking wet, and I'm watching as these ten-year-old kids are fathering. They're, they're, they're playing the father role to their six and five year old sister or brother. And you give them, you know, a pair of socks and a, and a candy bar and pat them on the head and they just start weeping. And it's not an act no. because you're walking, you know, you're watching or you walk with them back to a shack that's just, you know, plywood stuck together. And you're realizing that, you know, man, things, you know, feel rough, but things, you know, aren't always as they feel. No, they could be much, much worse. That's why, you know, it's interesting how if people put this thought in their head, 
when they look at this situation, they see all the, the bad things that are happening to them. The reality is, things could be worse. Yes, they can. Things could be worse. So, you know, own what, what what's in front of you, whether it be financial yes. problems, whatever it is, own it, but then get over the hurdle. You know, That's a great way to put it. Yeah, That's a great way to put it. We're, we're in America. This is the land of opportunity. And you can accomplish anything you want to accomplish in your life if you so choose, and you are a prime example of that. And and I and I love having you on on the show today because, you know, again, your story is inspirational, uh, and you you're more than welcome. Uh, but you you authored your books. You're also a public speaker, and uh, and on top of that, and this is what our listeners uh, really should focus on right now. On top of that, you're also in in the midst of some crazy wacko cardio challenge that I read about, and I said, "No way, I wouldn't do it." Okay, you know, I mean, when Jack London, the pro bodybuilder, told me that that he was going to go and start ski, he was going to ski down Mount Everest. I said, "Yeah, you can do that by yourself because I'm so, I'm going to hang out in the lodge." Okay, now now with your thing, yeah, you can you can. Talk about that right now, but I'll tell you this much: I'll hang out by the beach. But go ahead, let's talk about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know, it, it's a step in a different world. Um, I had, you know, done the, the strength with the powerlifting. You know, had done the, the fitness side of it with physique. But the one thing I did lack was the cardio side of it, uh, the strictly anaerobic, strictly aerobic side. And actually, you know the deal: there's no strictly aerobic, strictly anaerobic. Um, but with the, the cardio side of things, I had begun engaging in, in bike riding, and I had been invited um, on the board for the American Diabetes Association and the, the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, and okay. we had uh, the former Tour de France winner, Greg Lamont, come out, and he and I, you know, met, and we ended up having such a great time. Um, he's, he's a character. He's a funny guy, and we, you know, we talked about the press and about the, the misreadings with him and, and Lance Armstrong and, you know, how he tried to amend things and you know, the, the whole shebang. We, you know, we had, a, <laughs> we had this great opportunity, invited me to come, you know, for this bike ride through, uh, through Woodside in Northern California, um, uh-huh. from Hewlett Packard up through, uh, these various, you know, this, this various track. It's 120K, Doug. Well, you know, yeah, 70 some miles. Oh, yeah. Okay. No problem. No problem. You know, no, I hadn't been on a bike for, <laughs> and the last time I was on a bike, I, I crashed into somebody on Santa Monica on the bike path down there. <laughs> Well, good and, thing you uh, weren't by yeah. the pier. That'd be a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, it was. Uh, you know, my last experience was not the the happiest of times. So, you know, he puts out this invite, and I'm like, well, you know, sure, okay, yeah, I'll try it. So, of course, one of the guys at the table is fellow um, uh, Dave from uh, uh, Cycle Outfitters in Los Altos Hills, I think it is. He said, Doug, he said, we'll set you up with the bike. Don't worry about it. Yeah, come on in. This will be great. So, in my mind, I'm prepping for this, you know, seventy six mile run. And, you know, on a bike, this bike run, and uh, thinking, you know, okay, all right, well, you see what, what's firing, how it's working. Okay, great, great, great. So I'm out at this big uh, scientific session in San Francisco the weekend before. I'm out to like 3 in the morning. The race is the next day. I come in. Well, one rock star should cover it. That'll be good. You know, I pop the drink, and we're going, you know, chatting with all these people. There's like 1,500 people that have showed up, right? And this is great. And it's all <laughs> the benefit few type ones out there. There's like six or seven of us. You know, Greg and I, we 
take off. We go up this hill. Uh, gentleman Bob, um, uh, Vasily, uh, Christopher from Novo, all these guys. We take off this place called King's Mountain. You know, and I'm going, damn, look at this thing. I've driven up this. This is this is hardcore. So you know, just <laughs> grind down, push it, get to the top of King's Mountain. My shoes are dripping wet with sweat, right? And I'm just like, you know, and they're coming up, dude, you ruled this mountain. And I'm just going, I'm exhausted, right? It's just hardcore anaerobic push, fine with it. You know, and I said, yeah, well, thanks a lot, but, you know, you didn't tell me. I said, and I'm glad it's the, you know, that's the hard part. And, you know, they look at me and they just start smiling. They go, Doug, we've got like another 5,000 feet of elevation. I'm like, no! <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and of course, I can't say anything, right? I'm just like, oh my God! You know, we turn, we go up Skyline, we go down through um, Pescadero, and, and you know, halfway down, of course, my legs locked up, you know, from insulin shock, had the jacking glucose, you know, they shot the other way, you know, doing all this manipulation, um, and, you know, long story short, I finished it, and, but it was so much harder than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, part of the fact was I was, you know, carrying too much weight, 200 pounds up a, you know, up these... 20 degree angles, um, but you know, at the conclusion of it, it was just like you know, it was such a beautiful thing. It was uh, so beautiful a thing. And then this uh, this bike racer Jimmy Dodson and I, we hooked up, went to uh, Death Valley and did this um, this ride through Death Valley. And I'm thinking, well, this is more my terrain. It's all flat. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, after 50 miles in, you hit this 1400 foot incline at the end, and you know, it, it, it's all the stuff that you simply, you don't know. But how are you going to know unless you get out and try? That's you know, true. I get to the top of this incline with Jimmy, with Lynn, with got, you know, photos going. It's a great, good time. Turn around. I'm thinking it's easy sailing. There's a headwind that you've got to pedal down the hill just to get in motion. <laughs> I'm like, no, no. <laughs> you have to pedal down the hill? Down the hill. Oh, wow. You know, after you've already done 52 miles, you got to pedal back another 52 miles to get, uh, you know, to get back. So, but, and again, it, it seemed insurmountable, but mm-hmm. it was, you know, in hindsight, it was, it was nothing, right? It's, that's the way the past endeavors, you know, have to be. You the, know, but, the, great. but that's life. Yes. I mean, that, that, that's a, a good analogy, a good, you know, for, for life itself. You know, you're going through, you have ups, right. ups and downs, you got to keep pedaling, keep pedaling, and if you got to come back, you come back, and that's what you do. You're you know, and, and now, now you're doing something insane, or trying to do something insane. <laughs> yep. Now, we shall see, because I had I had a medical backer um, coming in to cover me for the La Ruta Conquistador, mm-hmm. which is a, uh, it's it's one and a half times the, the height of Mount Everest. Um, it's from the Pacific to the Caribbean in Costa Rica. Um, and it's a, it's a mountain bike race, right? And it's, it's just the inline hardcore. Um, I had signed up for it, was, you know, all good to go, and the backer pulled out, and, you know, I don't begrudge them. It would have been nice if they had followed through. Um, they had, you know, a rough go economically, or, you know, so they said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm still, I'm still looking. If it's not this year, it'll be next year. So my intent is to, uh, is to get it done this year, though. And I, I began alluding to it on, uh, I had a friend, Bill, uh, who put up a site, DougsQuest.com, uh, and uh, you, you know, I began, you know, trying to get all these things in synchronicity, and, you know, it's, uh, 
again, like you've alluded to, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, you've got a ton of obstacles. Mm-hmm. You have to choose which ones are wisest and simply go. And so at this point, I have to be honest and say that the La Ruta Conquistador is a no-go unless by some miracle something changes within the next week, then it's a go. Well, but, now, um, but now if somebody wanted to sponsor you, they, they can go to DougsQuest.com and reach out to you? They, they could indeed. They could indeed. Um, it's, uh, it's a scary event, and it's something that, to my understanding, no one with any disease has completed. Um, because it's, you know, 40, I think it's 44,000 feet of elevation over only 300 miles and just, you know, as hardcore as you can get. Um, so <laughs> to yeah. me, it's, it's quite the invite. Um, because, you know, I've been in Costa Rica before and the wildlife there is insane. The crocs, the, you know, that are sitting by a river's edge. You know, if you're not cautious, you're walking up on, you know, eight crocs, you know, you know, 800, 800 to 2,000 pounds apiece. Yeah, that so is, just, that's something you're doing on your own, my friend. <laughs> but it, Send me pictures. But no telescopic lens, right? Up yeah. close. <laughs> yeah, you, you can send me pictures. You, you just send them via your phone or something. I don't know, because I, I, I definitely won't be there. I don't care. <laughs> oh. uh, Doug, do you do you see yourself? Uh, well, let me give that website one one more time. That's uh, Doug's Quest, right? D o d d o u g s Quest dot com. And uh, any of our listeners that are interested in uh, sponsoring Doug and this. Uh, crazy adventure but actually it's very uh, inspirational they can go there find out and uh, and reach out to Doug and find out how you can help him with this quest now now, Doug do you see yourself competing again in the future well see and, and that's the that's the point Lou is that after you know the brachial plexus tear my right hand it, it just it doesn't work um, properly and to me okay well then fix it you know, and, you know, I went to a neurosurgeon, and this is, you know, top of the line, the one who does the brain surgery, and he said, well, you know, this is like a cable that's been stretched out. And he said, the cords inside have been compromised. And I said, you know, could you do surgery? He said, well, yes, I could. He said, but putting it back together, the casing holds like 170 nerves. He said, you might wind up, you know, with your upper arm not functioning at all. And he said, I said, you know, well, would you, would you take the risk? And this is somebody who's a surgeon, and mm-hmm. he said, you know, in all honesty, he said, no, I wouldn't. I said, okay. So that's gratuitous surgery. I said, how long you know, for it to heal? I'm thinking, you know, six months, ten months. He goes, about five years. I go, you're kidding. And he goes, no. And I go, well, it'll take a lot less because, you know, he said, no. He said, that's already considering that you're a top-level athlete. He said, I've already taken that into the equation. <laughs> so the return to competition, at this point, it was the reason I was looking into cycling okay. because he said that the most proper position is for my head to be elevated. And, you know, on the ride in Death Valley, um, you know, my right arm and right side had kind of become, it had become completely numb by the end of it. But I was able to get through it. And I know that it's it's not damaging in the sense it's not a contusion, it's not an impact. It's something that's uh, that's very controlled. And, you know, with that weak area, you've got you've to gotta work it to get it better. Right. So I have to be kind of, I'm, I'm being cautious in the, in the area I step out in, which on one hand, you know, Lou, isn't proper. You mm-hmm. get the, you get the vision and you go. And so, so far there's only been, more, you know, one vision I've got with uh, the Conquistador. Okay. Um, perhaps the other isn't to, uh, 
Well, you can I don't do know that. how it's there. I, I don't know where we're gonna go with that one, but you know, you know what? I, but you know what happens in life, and, and and it's really interesting. You know, in my life anyway. Sometimes you know, you go through it, and a chapter closes. You, your life is a book, and you close the chapter. Chapter, and you move on. You close the chapter, you move on. Whether you know you had your powerlifting moment. You close the chapter. Bodybuilding, you close the chapter. Now you have a new chapter and, and a new part of your story. And at the end of the day, when when your your time has come, you have a whole story, a whole book that's out there about your life. Too many people, and, and it's sad that they they take one incident, one bad thing that happens, like, okay, oh, my life is over, and let me jump off a building, let me put a bullet in my head. I mean, how weak are people? You know, and I know. Yeah, and it's and it's really it's really sad. But hopefully, as I said, um, people listen to this and they they realize in their lives, well, wow, I have financial woes, but this guy's life was you know pretty rough, and he got through it. Yeah, and you know, and there's so much more. You know, the alcoholism, the you know the the familial or the family issues. You know, and the whole mm-hmm. sketch of you know different arenas that that, you know, ends up giving you empathy towards others who struggle. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, I've keynoted for the Senate Commission on Health Reform for New York City, but I've also spoken at L.A. Central Lockup, you know, with kids who are 17-year-old and in-line criminals. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, you know, not behind the bulletproof glass <laughs> that the mm-hmm. guards were, mm-hmm. you know, out there with them. And you realize that, you know, struggle is part of life. Mm-hmm. And you know, we just have to make the most and, and to understand that everybody struggles in some fashion. Yeah. And all of your listeners, you know, in one way or another, have something they're trying to, you know, to get over, something they're trying to better themselves in, and they're met with a ton of obstacles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the only thing we can do is to say, you know, that, you know, I wish you the best and I, I know that you can. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can help in any way, you know, let me know. But you know what it is, too, and the, the um, the old saying goes that you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make the horse drink. It's you know, true. You, you can't. You can put everything in front of someone, and it's either they're going to do it or they're not. And if they're not going to do it, you, it's not really. It's out of your hands at that point. It is. That's very true. Yeah. And, and it, it, it's it's you know it's beneficial for them to you know to be able to look back and say you know in hindsight I realized I didn't do that because. I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. I was given the opportunity, but I believed I believed the fear side of it. And you're you're right because if you enable bad behavior, it's counterproductive to everybody. No, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I wish people, and I, and I say this because this is how I try to live my life. You know, I don't fear failure. I accept it. I embrace it. I I, I I've been through enough of it. But what I do fear is not trying. Okay, and that that's the biggest fear that I have. I don't even fear death. I fear not trying and because you you again your life is is your legacy and what you leave behind, you can't come back and change things, say, Well, I'm gonna go do this now. You can't do it. It doesn't happen. You have one shot. You have to make the most of it. Um, Doug, it's about this this time that we give um uh, our guests the opportunity to speak about anything we haven't covered. I think we covered a lot, but there may be something that we didn't cover. Uh, if you want to go into it and just, uh, you know, websites, whatever, if you have events coming up, book signings, things of that nature, you know, feel free to, to touch on it because I know I couldn't cover everything. Um, go right ahead. Well, sure. And, and Lou, to start with, I want to say thank you again. 
so very much um, because it, it means everything to me. It, um, you know, I mean, it, it's half the time these conferences you speak at and you've got little kids coming up to you, giving you a hug, and you realize that you're gaining so much more than you're, than you're giving, or so it feels. Right. Um, and so my, you know, my hat's off to you, you know, to reaching out to the community oh. in this fashion. Um, Thank you. I, you know, I'm looking very forward to the Ultimate Body Challenge, uh, October 17th, and the site is the same, uh, theultimatebodychallenge.com. Um, and, you know, David has put together a, a great, you know, program. I'm going to be there with one of the guys I used to idolize, Rich Gaspari, um, and, uh, and Bob and, um, and uh, Marina, um, the, the whole group. It's going to be a fantastic show. Right. Um, that's David. You know, 13 and 13. Yeah, you have David Lyons. That's Lyons Entertainment that's producing uh, The Ultimate yep. Body. Um, and I, was it on October 17th is that's when they, they have their Orlando. final, um, I guess, auditioning for the show. Yes. That's, yes. A, that's in Kissimmee, Florida. Yes. Yes, yeah. indeed. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to it. Um, and, you know, on another note, again, I know that there's people listening that say, you know, well, you know, you don't know what I'm going through. And, you know, you know, my heart goes out to people who, you know, have given up. But there's a thread of hope always. You know, what, is, what does it say in, uh, in Proverbs? It says, you know, that a dimly burning wick I will not extinguish. Mm-hmm. It's just a flicker of hope that's needed to sometimes change the world. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, in my life, I've, I mean, before I won the USA, my leg was shattered, snapped in half. 13 screws, uh, steel plate, the whole nine yards, um, you know, was swept down the Merced River with another man who perished right in front of me, class three rapids, um, you know, the heartache of being involved in that whole thing and, you know, wondering why you survive and, you know, seeing him with his children and without his children, um, and, you know, the financial woes that came about, um, you know, the divorce, the, the whole thing, you've got a bucket crap that life gives you yeah. and you know and it's it's to everybody it's just in different ways and I think that you know that by you know honing in together and being willing to say hi to somebody who looks like you know they're having a rough day it doesn't appear it did anything at that moment but down the road you know you don't know if maybe you just change the course of their life yeah. and I think that you know we're all entrusted with uh, with a gift of uh, of you know helping other people in one way or another, and some are gifted, you know. And uh, I mean, everybody I think is gifted in a certain fashion. Mm-hmm. We're all like a Christmas present with you know different products inside and different wrappings on the outside. Yeah, but you know, it's an issue of getting oh. rid of the paper and you know yeah. and understanding you know that, hey this product is valuable too. But that that's I love that you said that because I always I always say that life's a gift, but you have to unwrap it. Yeah. Okay, if you don't unwrap it, then nothing's going to happen. No, it's true. It's true. And, um, wow, you, you're very right, Lou. And, again, you know, to everybody, we've all got our own. And, and, and there's such a, you know, a misconception. I was at a, if I can allude to this real quickly, um, Chris Dudley is an NBA all-star. Um, right. And he has type 1 as well. He and I were at this children's conference in Orlando, Florida, where we had seven, 800 children. Mm-hmm. And at this one particular conference, um, this group of kids, 12 to 17. Before this, Chris, his wife and I, we were chatting about having hypoglycemia during games, during, you know, training mm-hmm. and, you know, how much of a, of a problem it can be. And 
coming to this conference and I said to the kids, you know, how many of you have ever seized? You know, how, and you know, one hand, every, every face looks around in the audience and, you know, one hand goes up. Halfway through the conference, one of the kids in the background who had come in late, um, had said, you know, he stands up, shuffling his feet, looking at the ground and says, you know, uh, well, I know you guys don't have difficulty with insulin shock, but, you know, I've had a couple of episodes where I've, you know, passed out. And Chris and I looked at each other and we started laughing. We addressed the issue, and when we asked the question again, every single hand in the auditorium went up. That okay. everybody had had the same problem, mm-hmm. and it's just you know it was an issue of acceptance. Mm-hmm. And this kid, you know, he took he took the victory torch and stepped out and said, "Hey, you know, this is what's going on with me." Right. And he was met with, uh, you know, with a hundred other you know kids embracing him instead of uh, rejection. Yeah, it takes one 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 event. One man, one thought. It's always, you have that spark that can yes. that can like light up a room. And what that kid did, he that was a spark that led people to say, "Okay, well, the other kids, that's me too, me too. Yeah, that's great." They felt, you know, that he opened up the door. I guess you know, and I think that's fantastic because sometimes that's all you need. You know, we saw it in, in history. We've seen that yeah. with uh, John F. Kennedy. We've seen that with Martin Luther King. We've seen that with Abraham Lincoln, so on and so forth. It's one man, a one incident to go and change the world. And we've seen it time and time again. So in our own yeah. lives, in our own worlds, that can happen as well. Uh, and, and you're so right, you know, Lou, in that the world can simply be our children, our immediate family, mm-hmm. and our close friends. Yeah. And we think nothing of it until 20 years down the road when, you know, the child says back to you, Dad, remember when you said this? Mom, remember when you said this? Yep. It really, it changed my life. And we didn't even know it. Yep. Just like you, you said with the doctor earlier on, you know, he didn't know it, but that did invoke change. Just one thing that sparks at someone. Uh, yeah. now, now, Doug, your, you, uh, your story is, is amazing. I'm just, as we went through it, I was just each and every, like every couple of minutes, I was thrown back even further and further, and I'm humbled. Because what you have been through uh, really makes things in my life, even though I, I look at things that maybe I may have an issue here and there, they become minuscule because what you are accomplishing now, what you went through, is like, wow. And I, I love hearing that stuff. Uh, just like David Lyons, uh, you know, he went through that later in life with MS. And yep. he, he competed in his first bodybuilding show. And, I mean, with the MS, you know, he had a lot of issues, tearing muscles, this and that. And he's a great guy. He's a great yep. guy. He's a sweetheart. And you and, and him and uh, Rich Gasparri and Bob Cicciarello and uh, uh, Marsha Prince. And, and you guys are all part of the Ultimate Body TV show that's going to be taking place and that's going to be an awesome event that's a reality show with bodybuilding and basically you have a grand prize of 50 grand which is always a good thing because in amateur bodybuilding you get zero <laughs> even, when you, even when you go pro you, 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 you hope you start making money at that point oh, it's true I knew what I'm going to do is I'm going to either stick Bob or Rich in there and just put somebody else's face on them See if they can win it, and we'll split the proceeds afterwards. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but that is uh, the, the website for the Ultimate Body uh, Challenge, or Ultimate Body TV show, is uh, is www.theultimatebodytvshow.com. 
And if you want to find out more about Doug or find out about the D show, you can definitely go there. Um, Doug, uh, as I said, you, your story is amazing, uh, overcoming odds and hurdles and not sitting in a corner crying about the situation, but actually paving the way for others to fight back is amazing. For kids to say, okay, I can get through this is an amazing thing. And, and I'm telling you truthfully, I am truly honored. Not appreciative, I'm honored to have the op or have had the opportunity to have you on the show. And uh, we want to have you on again when the Ultimate Body uh, show begins, uh, if that's okay with you. That'd be beautiful. Okay. And I'm, I'm equally as honored. Oh. I'm, I'm, I really am. Okay. I mean, you've, you know, you've sprung an outreach that uh, other people thought about, but you did it. I, I, I appreciate that. I, I hope that we're making a difference somewhere, and that's the whole purpose uh, of doing sure. that. Um, but And also, for, for any sponsors that are looking to sponsor you, they can go to DougsQuest.com. Uh, I'll say it again, DougsQuest.com. Uh, you can reach out to Doug, and if you're looking to sponsor him uh, and his quest to uh, do this uh, crazy bike ride stuff with crocodiles, something I'm not doing. Um, not even uh, that's not even a thought. Only three hundred miles. Of, only three hundred miles. Will you can do it? Yeah, that's why I have a car. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'll walk twenty blocks, but you know, riding three hundred—that's not happening. That's okay. <laughs> no, again, thanks again, and uh, I want to repeat this. Our listeners can find out more about Doug Burns by going to DougsQuest.com or go and follow his amazing life by going there or find out more. Follow his journey now with the Ultimate Body TV Show by going to the TheUltimateBodyTVShow.com. The show is going to be amazing. Final auditions are October 17th in Kissimmee, Florida. Go to the website. Find out. You don't want to miss it. You have the opportunity to, 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 to win 50 grand trips, this, that, and meet. Rich Kasperi, Bob Chicharillo, Doug Burns in person that day, as well as, as David Lyons. Uh, Doug, again, thank you so much for uh, joining us today on UCW Radio. Thank you so much, Lou. What is your major malfunction? All let it be ready. All let it be done. Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you. My father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.